Wow, isn't, isn't God good? I'm serious, isn't he just good? You might have come in here this morning not thinking he's so good. <laughs> if he's so good, this would be this, or this would be that. I don't care what your circumstances are, your, what, you're, what you're going through, God is good. And he is good to you. He's good to me. And this morning, God put this, X, this X-Files series, you know, it's just kind of funny that I picked from that, this X-Files, because there are so many awesome words in the Bible that begin with the E-X. And, and one of the words he put on my heart was exalt or exaltation. So we're going to be talking about exalting this morning. Uh, exalting can be a negative or a positive. You can exalt the wrong things, right? And the word exalt just tr- really is a real simple meaning. It means to lift up. That's all exalt means. It means to lift up, lift up on high, and you can lift up God, or you can lift up the enemy in your life, right? You can exalt your kids above God. You can exalt your work above God. You can exalt a lot of things above God. God wants to be exalted above all things, okay? He wants to be exalted above all things. So in every situation in your life, if, if the things and the situations are bigger, then that means you've exalted those instead of, the, of God in those situations, and listen, there's going to be some great healing take place this morning as you get revelation of how you go through these things with, with, uh, with God doing only what God could do for you, okay? And here's the deal. I began to study. I thought, well, this whole service is going to be about we're just going to read psalms about exalting God and exalting God and lifting up His name, majesty. We're going to sing all these songs about God, just lift up His name. And then we'll be cool because I will have covered the subject matter of exalt. And so the more I studied it and studied Scripture, I came to the place of that here's, and it does, it sounds weird, but God wants to exalt us. It almost sounds sacrilegious, doesn't it? You mean God wants to, here's the thing, God wants to lift you up. And so we can use that word interchange. It may, if you want to, if it sounds better, God wants to lift you up, well, grab hold of that one. But God really wants to exalt you today. And here's here, there's a, the way that he does it, and it's going, I think you'll find it interesting. But here's the deal. The enemy, all, of, all the mess that, that we started getting into is because of somebody wanted to exalt themselves above God. You understand that? And his name was Satan or Lucifer, as we find in Isaiah 14. And, and Isaiah 14 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken to the nations, for you have said in your heart. Now listen, this is what Satan, this is what Lucifer said in his heart. I will ascend into heaven. I will what? I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Lucifer said, he's an angel. He's one of thousands and thousands of angels that, that, that God had. And listen, we don't compare uh, Satan with Jesus. You know, if you want to have an opposite, compare him to Michael as an opposite. But he's not, he was a, he has a, he was a created being. And he wanted, he came to the place where he thought, man, God's this and God's that, but I want to be better than, I want to be bigger than him. And he exalted, it said in his heart, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. That was his thought. That was his plan. It was going to be all about who? Him, right? And God's response is in verse 15, yet you, Lucifer, he's talking about, shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. He hasn't been brought down there yet. 
Did y'all know his end is, is still out there? He is still on this earth, and he's still seeking whom he may devour. And he's going after Christians more than anybody because he's already got the others. Right? But the definition of Sheol, some people, was, what's Sheol? Some of your Bibles might have said hell. But it means the underworld, grave, the pit, the abode of the dead, place of no return, the place without praise of God, the wicked that are sent there for punishment, a place of exile, of extreme degradation in sin. No matter how you cut it, Sheol is not good. No matter how you describe it, it's not a good place. It's not a place you want to reside. But the reason he is going to go there for eternity eventually is because he wanted to exalt himself above God. And God cast him down, didn't he? See, when he took that place and God put him in his place and he's roaming the earth doing what he does, he wants to bring you down. All the time he's working to bring Christians down. He wants to bring you to a place where you are thinking like him where you are exalting yourself above God. And listen, we, we do that in a lot of different ways, a lot of different forms. But I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 10. These, these are scriptures that every Christian needs to know. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 6. For the weapons of our warfare, say weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal or worldly, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Remember, a stronghold is something that protects something else like a fortress, casting down arguments and every high thing that what? Exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. This is Paul speaking to the church, bringing every thought, say every thought, every thought into captivity to the obedience. And there's that word obedience. It comes up a lot in the Bible, doesn't it? To the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, you need to nail the sin or the disobedience to the cross. It cannot Listen, we're not supposed to walk in disobedience. But we are supposed to take captive those thoughts that the enemy puts before you that would exalt everything above God. And guess what we do? We do that a lot, don't we? Oh, I can't believe this is happening. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, really? Should a Christian ever say, I don't know what I'm going to do? Should they? No, because we should always know that God is there. Christ is there. Holy Spirit is there for us in those times that we think there's nothing for me. There's, how can I get to this? How can I ascend to that? How can I get, uh, solve this problem in my life? And when, when we throw up our hands and say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Listen, you're exalting that situation. Your mind has been saturated by the negative and you believe the negative and you thought there's no way out. I mean, I remember Ron Campbell preaching a service here and he asked people, he said he preached his sermon, and, and he asked people at the end of the sermon before he started ministering to people, he said, how many of you here feel like you're hopeless? I was shocked. It looked like, like three-fourths of the people are, oh, I'm hopeless. And they were standing up. And I'm thinking, really? As believers, should we ever be hopeless? We should never be. We serve the God of all hope. Man, the enemy has a great talent for making Things of this world look good, doesn't he? He really does. He, makes ha- he has a, a talent for making things look enticing. He, may, he has a talent for making wrong look right. 
And when we, when he exalts those things and, and brings those things to our minds and we begin to exalt them above the knowledge of God, the, the, above the, the, the fact that God can move in and, and change a situation, when we begin to acknowledge the, the wrong things and the negative things in our life, listen, the enemy will capture your mind and you will be depressed and discouraged. And you, will be un, uh, you, will, you will not be not unfit, but you will be... Uh, you're, you're placed in the kingdom. You won't be able to advance the kingdom in power because you're so wrapped up in your own crud. And that's why we have a lot of Christians that are not, they're not finding that place of surrender to Christ, exalting Him in their situations. And a great weapon that God has for to us to use is exaltation. Say exaltation. Turn to Philippians 4. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm preaching to people here this morning. You feel hopeless. You feel like your situation is, is beyond help. You feel like you, you're looking up to see the bottom. Now, I see faces when you come in. I, 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 can, I don't have to have a, a spirit of discernment to see some people coming in looking like they lost their, you know, their puppy got run over on the way to church. And discouragement, the downcasting, the fear. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Oh, well, Pastor, that, that just sounds so easy. And yet, how many of you this week have meditated on the Word of God? How many of you really soaked in the Word of God? How many of you really... Set aside time to get with God and say, God, I just, I just need to meditate. on. I, I, I'm just, my mind is flooded with work. My mind is flooded with pain, with family issues, with, 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 all, with financial issues. And you're not, you, you let those things crowd everything good out of your mind. So you're not taking captive those thoughts that God is sending. You're taking, the, I mean, that the enemy's sending. You're, 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 you're capturing those thoughts and you're living those thoughts. So we need to change the way we think. That's called repentance, renewing your mind. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, do, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Listen, when the enemy exalts things in your mind, you know what he says? You're opposing God. Take those things captive, counterattack. Counter, say counterattack. You want to counterattack the enemy's thought and his plan to, to destroy your life? Then begin to exalt God in the situation. Begin to meditate on the things of God and His plans and His purposes for your life. But you know what a lot of us do? We pray out of a wrong spirit. Look at James 4. This is really kind of the key verses I want us to look at. We pray out of a wrong spirit. You ever pray out of a wrong spirit? I bet you have. I know I have. James 4, 1 through 10. We're talking about exaltation this morning, so you're going you're gonna to see this is just going to, uh, hopefully it's going to really renew your minds today. This is James, he's talking to who? The church. When, when Paul's writing and when James is writing, when these people are writing these letters, they're writing to the church. And he says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? He's saying you're your. You lust, you do not have. You murder and covet, you cannot obtain. You fight in war, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask, you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. He's saying, guys, the way you're praying is all wrong. 
You're asking for things that God's not going to, God's not going to give you that because it's not for you. You're asking for things way out, outside the will of God. You're asking amiss, he says. Now, here comes the really popular part of his letter. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or division with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Man, that's some power. That's some strong language, guys. That's James writing this. This is strong language. He said, if you're friends with the world, then you're an enemy of God. I mean, I'm not saying that. The word of God says that. And it seems that what we have done in the church, a lot of the church, we've, we've become friendly with the, with the world because we, we're supposed to love everybody. Listen, becoming friends with the world has nothing to do with loving everybody. You can love the people in the world, but you don't become friends with the world. No more than, than you become your companions, your close companions are the worst people in the world to hang out with. You can love your friends, you can love those people, but the Bible says do not even associate with people like that. And he says you're adulterers. In other words, he wasn't talking about just adulterers or an adulteresses in the sense of sexual adultery or those things. He said you have prostituted yourself, you have left God. And he's, it's such strong words here, but listen, there is hope in all of this. Amen? So if you're praying out of a flesh, if you're praying out of a wrong spirit, God would say that you need to repent of that. Now I want to show you another wrong spirit that we pray out of. Look at Luke 18. And we're going to come back to James 4. I love this passage of Scripture. It is probably the greatest picture of legalism and grace, or one of the greatest pictures you'll see in the Bible from Jesus' perspective. Luke 18. You got it? Also he, this is Jesus, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. I like that. They were trusting. There's a problem right there, isn't there? They were trusting in themselves that they were righteous. How many of you are righteous in yourself, in and of yourself? You're not. You know, our righteousness, the Bible says, is as what? Filthy, dirty rags. Anybody got a little box at home that has filthy, dirty rags in it used to clean uh, or change the oil in your car or something? Filthy, dirty. Listen, you think about that. That's not very righteous. That's not not really good. He said, our righteousness is like that. And he says, they have trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, IRS agent. (laughs) Okay? The Pharisee stood and he prayed thus, I love this. I had to do a little study. He prayed thus with himself. (laughs) He prayed thus with himself. Oh, okay. I'm going to go pray with myself. (laughs) Doesn't that sound weird? When you start reading and and digging into that a little bit, you know what it was? He was praying about about himself. I want to go pray about me. Okay? He was all wrapped up in himself. Praying out of a wrong spirit. And he stood up and he prayed thus with himself or for about himself. God. <laughs> That's probably how he said it. I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this uh, tax collector. Right? I fast. 
twice a week like he needed to tell God. Hey, God, I know you don't know this, but I fast twice a week just for you. And I give tithes of all that I possess. I'm sure God was like, man, I want to just right then, you know. He's trying to tell God how good he is. Listen, if you're approaching God in your prayer life about how good you are and how righteous you are, you're praying out of a wrong spirit. You're praying out of a prideful spirit. You know, people that, see, what he was doing was exalting himself. And you know what people that exalt themselves do to exalt themselves? They put other people down. Classic example. He's standing there. He's this. He's puffed up. He's got pride. And that lowly tax collector is down there, and he's putting him down. I am not like that, old boy. You hear that in the church? Well, I'm not, I'm not as bad as they are. He's a deacon in the church. I'm not like him. We compare ourselves to others, and that robs us of joy when we start comparing ourselves to other people. And the tax collector standing far off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. That man was justified, not the other one. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be what? Oh, so God said if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. You'll be lifted up. Now that man, the, the, the tax collector, he was sincerely humble, wasn't he? As far as anything we can tell. Because of the response of Jesus, he was very humble. There's another kind of humility that's not of God, and it's called false humility. Anybody know what I'm talking about? False humility is when you want to act like you're humble, but you're not really humble. That's false humility. That is as prideful as pride. Because you're wanting everybody to see you and recognize you. And, you're, and it's all about you. Because, oh, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't do that, you know. And you, you start, oh, I, I'm, so, I'm so humble before God. Oh, I'm not worthy. And, and they start taking on the I'm not worthy about anything, thing, you know. And, and it's, a, it's a false humility. It's not from God. It's from the enemy. And it's, about, it's kind of a lot of, it's a lot of has to do with the drawing attention to yourself. It's a false humility. Listen, when we start operating in a false humility, we're just being as disobedient as if we we're walking in pride. When you start saying, well, I'm a nobody, when well, you know what you're saying? God doesn't, God built, he, he, did, he, he created a nobody. And you're, you're actually saying God, you're opposing God when you say things like that. Well, I'm nothing. I'm just a speck of dirt. God spit in the dirt and made me. And I'm just so, listen, God, he said we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Right? So quit putting yourself down and thinking that God doesn't love you because that's a lie from the pit of hell. I remember I've, I've quoted this before. I want to quote it again because I love it. C.S. Lewis said this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. God does not want you to think less of yourself. Matter of fact, he said, if you're going to love your neighbor, you've got to love him like you love 
yourself. We're supposed to love ourselves. Say, I love me. Come on, look at yourself. Look at you. I love me. God created me with, with all the, with my personality and everything he's given me. God created me this way. And he said, Harold, I want you to love yourself because I love you. And I created you. So quit letting the enemy say that you're unlovely. Quit listening to his lies. Now let's go back to James 4. We'll wrap this up. James had just said, man, you're this, you're that. You're adulterers. You, you're full of lust. You're always at war. You're trying to please yourself. Uh, you're, you're, you're friends with the world. You're the ultimate compromisers. Is kind of what James is kind of saying to these guys, these people that he was writing to. He said, you are the ultimate comp- compromisers, rationalizers. You've, you, just made the, you just made God's plan for your life look horrible. And then he comes up with this verse 6. But he, God, gives what? What? How much? More grace? God gives what? Man, y'all don't, man, y'all don't, I don't know if I, y'all are hearing that. God gives what? <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> That's a high... Man, high five your neighbor and say, God gives more grace. I'll quit that little pity patty. I mean, I'm talking high five. Come on. God gives more grace. Where would we be without the more grace? I mean, if I passed the microphone around this morning and said, where would you be without the more grace? You'd, you'd say, man, I'd be in trouble. We would all be in trouble. Listen, he just said all these scathing things about these things, but God gives more grace. Our God is the exceedingly abundant more God. Amen? Amen. He does not want you to live on the scraps, guys. He doesn't want you to live below uh, what he's called you to live. He's a God of more grace. He said, listen, I know what you've been doing, but listen, you need to receive his grace. Because his grace is abundant. He gives more grace. Listen, last week we talked about the God of more. I want to just in, inject this one scripture, 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 15. And I, this is Paul speaking. And a lot of people will say, well, this was the past. This was the Paul. But I, I want to I share something with you. They, they talk like Paul became perfect after he got saved. I think not. And I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. <laughs> Paul's going, I can't believe he put me in the ministry. I'm the same way. I can't believe he put me in the ministry, but he did. Although I was, listen, this is what he used to be, a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man. But he said, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord, listen, the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. He said, I've been this and that and this. He said, I would, he said, I would get letters and I would go pick up Christians and I would haul them off to jail and they would be killed. He was destroying family after family in the name of God. He said, God, His grace exceeded all that stuff that I'd done. It was exceedingly abundant with, with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. 
See, he's still, he's still believing that I'm, I still am. I've still been doing it. I'm not clean. I'm not pure. I'm just living in the abundant grace of Jesus Christ. Listen, I want to I move forward this because so many people will get hung up right there. But I want to tell you this. Grace will lead to humility and not to pride. True grace, the abundant grace of God should lead you to a place of humility, not to a place of pride. Are y'all hearing me? Well, God forgave me of all the sin. His grace is abundant. And look at me now. If they could see me now. You know? No. It should lead us to a place of, God, thank you so much. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. Thank you for inviting me into your kingdom. Thank you for counting me worthy to be one of your servants. That's where, that's where grace really does lead. These people that say, well, grace gives you a license to sin. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Grace gives you a license to love. It should take you to a place of humility and love. And we should operate in the greatest of grace because it's been extended to us. But he gives more grace. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Hmm. That's probably the biggest problem we have with ourselves is humility. Our culture teaches pride. Pride. Y'all have heard me say from this pulpit that pride is never mentioned in the Bible in a good way. Ever. You just go look it up. Try to find it. Pride. Well, he said the only good way it's really mentioned is in the cross. He boasts in the cross, not in himself. Proverbs said pride goes before the fall. I thought, what do you mean? I'm in the summer and then... <laughs> No, you operating in pride, you're going to fall. Pride goes before the fall. God will bring you to a place of humility. Romans 12, 3 says, For I say to you through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I changed the way I spoke. And it's still kind of easy to fall back into that mode. Because we preach. Somebody mentioned the other day. said, Pastor, you haven't preached on the power of your words in a long time. So maybe that's going to come up. There's certain things that we quit saying as, as a family. We quit saying pride or proud. We don't say we're proud of our kids. Yeah, you can go, well, that's terrible. No, we're blessed. We don't want to exalt our kids in the sense of giving them, you know, putting them on a pedestal. We want to, we're, we're happy, which is what blessed means. We're happy for our children. We're blessed. We don't say lucky anymore. I was brought up, I said, man, that's just bad luck or that's good luck. Are you lucky or you're unlucky, you know? I, I don't believe God works in luck and unluck. I think everything's got purpose, intent. Just some things that we, we, we've changed the way we spoke and some of the words that we say. Because when you start saying pride, proud, then 
when you're proud of your kids, you know what you're really doing? You're kind of saying you're proud of yourself for raising your kids so good. And then you've been become prideful. And there it goes. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. He gives more grace. He gives more grace. And he said, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But think soberly. That means seriously. And here's the best way to exalt God. James 4, verse 7. You want to exalt God? Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. The word submit is not a popular sermon topic, but it means to submit or surrender to the authority of. Come under the mission of. Submission means come under the mission. Like subways, come under the way, or sandwiches. <laughs> it means to come under the mission of God, his purpose for your life, to come under it. So when we submit to God, we say, God, your will, your will and your ways are much better than mine. And you submit to his will and his way. So when you, when you want the devil to flee, guys, don't just go, devil, get out of here so I can continue to sin. You submit to God. You really want to be serious about the devil leaving? Then you've got to submit to God. You really want to have your purposes and plans uh, and the dreams that God has given you to proceed in your life or to go forward in your life? Then you've got to line up with God. You've got to submit to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. He will draw near. He says all these things you need to do. If you really want to exalt God, you need to submit to him first. When you're in a situation, man, and, and, and things are, are not looking good, and you, you come to, and the, you know the devil is just knocking at the door of your heart, and he's sitting, putting these temptations before you, and man, you're hearing all this stuff uh, coming through your mind, and he's bombarding you with all these thoughts. You can either take those thoughts, and you can live them out. You can let temptation, you can accept it and, and step into that temptation and grab hold of it, or you can take that thought, that thought captive. You can submit to God and say, God, I need you. I submit to you. I surrender to you. And when you do that, you resist the devil, you resist the temptation that's coming, you resist it, then he says that he will, the, the devil will leave. He won't bother you. And I hear Christian after Christian, the devil is this, the devil is that. We give him so much credit when all we've got to do is submit to God. That's why he mentions in that same passage, purify your heart, you double-minded. Because we want it both ways. And I'm telling you, you don't get it both ways. You don't get it both ways. You can't have it church if you're double-minded and you think god's going to do something for you it's not going to happen you're either submitting to god or you're not you're either saying he's the lord of your life or you're resisting him but listen listen to verse 10 if you submit to god you resist the devil, resist the devil and he flees from you i love this verse humble yourselves in the sight of the lord and what will he do he will lift you up some of you are in situations this morning, you need to be lifted up. But you need to first come to the place of submitting to God, humbling yourself. 
and say, God, I've been, make, I've been running the show. I've been making all the calls. I've been doing my own deal. I haven't been listening to you, Lord. I, and now I find myself in this pit, and I'm looking up, and it just doesn't seem like there's any way out. Listen, the best place, you know what you can do in a pit? You can kneel down in the pit and say, Lord, I repent. I've been running my own life too long, and I would submit to you today. And I will tell you, when you submit to him and resist the temptations that are coming, then he's going to come in. He's going to kick the devil like he's far away from you. Man, he's just going to drop kick him. And you're going to draw near to him through that process. And you may be, there may be some weeping and crying over what you've gone through and what you've passed, what the, the, the sin you allowed in your life. That's why he says not to have joy in your sin. To weep and lament and lamour. That's repentance of what he's talking about there. Just He's re- repenting of what, what's taken place in his life. When you come to that place, guys, I'm telling you, he will lift you up. So if you want to be lifted up this morning, you need to lift him up. And you lift him up on your knees. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's what he showed me. He said, Carol, if you want to speak about exalting me, then you need to get on your knees when you exalt me, but then I will lift you up. Isn't God good? Even, even us exalting him, he says, I want listen, it's kind of like the reaping is sowing and reaping thing, isn't it? You sow humility, God will just, he will bless you by lifting you up, setting your feet upon a rock. Would you stand this morning? We have our ministry team up. Guys, I wanted to speak just for a second uh, to this area of hopelessness that Pastor was talking about. And I wrote just this down because I don't want to forget it, but I just want you to know that hopelessness is a feeling or an emotion, but it's caused by circumstances in our life. And we know that there's circumstances in our life that at times can make us feel hopeless, okay? But when hopelessness takes root and we dwell on it it can become a stronghold that can be rooted in a spirit of heaviness okay there's a natural emotion of hopelessness but if you've been dealing with hopelessness that's just gone on and on and on there might be a stronghold there that someone might want to pray with you with and and just briefly i want to tell you this very short testimony of hopelessness because pastor and i were people just like y'all and we, we face the same demons you face and the same battles you face, face. And I feel like we are people that are full of hope and we're full of faith. And uh, many of you know that Pastor was sick last year at this time. He had a major surgery, and he got down to 148 pounds. And we had home health, and every time he got on the scales, uh, his weight was going down. And so at the two-week surgery, uh, the checkup, we went into our doctor, and we were sitting there, and we kind of felt nervous because he really wasn't much better. And um, she came in and she said, oh, my gosh, you look so old and you look terrible. What's going on? Y'all, we just sunk. And for the first time, we just we felt hopeless. I mean, I went out to make the return appointment, and it was our anniversary. And before I left, I was just in tears. And both of us got in the car, and we really – this feeling and I want to tell you something we know the word okay we know the word 
And we're not ever supposed to feel hopeless, but we felt hopeless. And that night we went to bed, and my prayer partner, 15 years, called me the next day. And she said, listen, I don't know what's going on in y'all's life, if anything's going on, but she said, I went to bed last night. At 12 o'clock, I woke up, and I had a dream. She said, I dreamed that you, you and Harold went to the doctor, and she came in and gave y'all some news, and y'all just felt hopeless. And I just want you to know that I got up, and I prayed in the Spirit for y'all one hour. Now, y'all, that's our God. That's what I'm telling you today, that what God did for us, he's doing for you today. Because if you were in that place of hopelessness, he doesn't want you to stay. And it was a couple of days after that, you felt the Lord say to you, I'm the lifter of your head. And today that the Lord would be the lifter of your head. But I'm asking you, if you're really dealing with depressive hopelessness, that you would come down for prayer and humble yourselves before the Lord. See, that's when you said that the humbling ourselves, that's humbling yourself when you come forward. When you kneel at this altar, it's humbling yourself. You think, well, that's not cool. I don't want to walk up there. Everybody thinks I'm this or that. People don't care here. They, they, they love you. If you're dealing with an issue in your life, we want to pray for you. And that's just the bottom line. Everybody in here has probably been in your place in some form or fashion at one time. I mean, we're reading from a book that this great apostle wrote that he was, he's been probably way worse places than you've been. You think God couldn't use him? No, he used him. So some of you this morning, if you're feeling that place uh, of you've made a lot of decisions on your own, and man, you're, you're way off track, and you just want to come and share that with somebody, let them pray for you to get back on track. It's just gonna have, we're not going to rush through. I want Jody, to, we're going to sing Jesus paid it all. When you come for prayer, this, these couples and these individuals, they'll take you to a prayer room. You won't stand up here and pray. They'll, they'll, they'll take you out so that you can hear and hear them, and y'all, y'all can share. So I'm just going to pray for you real quick, and then we're going to sing. I'm not in a hurry to get out of here because I feel like there's a lot of people here today that are in that place that they need to submit to God. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. Father, for those that are hurting this morning, those who feel just hopeless, worthless, Lord, today that you would lift them up as they humble themselves and even come forward as they humble themselves that you would lift them up. In Jesus' name. So y'all step out and come. If you need prayer this morning, just step out and come. We want to pray for you. We'll take you to one of these side rooms and pray for you. So step out and come. Please do that. Don't leave here and let the enemy win. Let us pray for you this morning. Step out and come.